0: A lot better today, not 100% quite yet. Hebrews chapter 11, I'll read the first 16 verses. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of, what, of things that are visible. And God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, Extinction Rebellion are back in the news this week, Uh, not only here, but all all around the world. And uh, I don't know how you feel about Extinction Rebellion. Uh, I I, probably like most people, I have some mixed feelings, although I was a bit encouraged. Uh, They had a group called Animal Rebellion, which are kind of an offshoot of Extinction Rebellion that had originally intended to uh, do a sit-in at Smithfield Market for two weeks. And then when they learned that this would totally destroy the livelihoods of quite a few people and probably close businesses, they decided to make it 24 hours instead. So they went up a bit in my estimation there uh, a bit. Uh, But it's interesting. Whether you agree with them or not, whether you uh, approve of their their approach or not, uh, certainly some of the goals are laudable, the idea of decreasing... Uh, carbon emissions, saving the planet, preventing us all from dying, the ice caps from melting, uh, the animals from going extinct, and us living in a desert wasteland uh, is probably a pretty laudable goal. I kind of like that. Uh, the problem is, it's not going to work. I mean, unfortunately, it, it's not, but uh, at least they're doing something, at least they're, they're trying in this. Uh, In fact, if you look over the last 100 years or so, a little bit more, uh, we've had many, many different kinds of attempts to achieve similar kinds of things. Now, it's not always climate change and correcting climate change. And by the way, I think we should take action to correct climate change. And I think the United Kingdom has been leading other nations in trying to deal with this whole issue of climate change. Uh, So don't see me as one of those climate change deniers or anything like that. Uh, but uh, but I'm also quite a realist because I've looked at the last 100 years or so and I've seen the repeated attempts of humanity to create this idealistic future, this uh, utopia or kind of heaven on earth. Uh, and there's a laudable desire, there's a laudable dream behind that. That dream was what propelled the revolution in Russia that eventually became the Soviet Union and yet in their attempt to create this new society human life was actually quite worthless and tens of millions of people were killed under Stalin or you look at what's happened in China and with the uh, the Maoist revolution in China it's quite different today than it was back uh, when uh, chairman Mao took over there and chairman Mao in his uh, a, attempt and desire to create a new and better world a new and better civilization again showed the worthlessness of human life as he adopted policies that led to the starvation of perhaps 20 million people in fact if you look at Stalin and Mao alone they were probably responsible for more deaths of people under their control under their government than all of the wars combined so next time somebody says something about religious wars and how many people die in religious wars well you can remind them that a lot more die under the control of atheists like mao and like stalin Uh, but it was doomed to failure. Then here in this country, and I I do believe it started in this country around the turn of the century, uh, last, not this past one, but the one before, you had the whole eugenics movement. I don't know if you know much about eugenics, but that's the idea that we need to create a better human being, and so anybody with disabilities and things like that, they should be basically killed, euthanized, uh, and we should create blend human characteristics so that we can become the master race oh by the way that informed adolf hitler and his rise uh, and his desire to create a new third reich that would go on to to exempt uh show the ubermensch uh the men who were uh super supermen men and women and and obviously i'm dealing with these things quite uh quite with broad brushstrokes but you see, time after time after time, there's this a desire, this attempt, this search for salvation, and the idea is that we can find salvation if we just work together enough as human beings. We can create a better society. We'll create a better world. We'll create a better humanity. Things will get better and better and better. In fact, that was something that propelled the liberalism in the eighteen. 18- Late 1800s and early 1900s, uh, people thought, you know, we, we're just going to keep getting better and better. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. We appreciate what you did. Now we don't really need that anymore because we are going to just keep improving. Uh, and that was shattered, unfortunately, by World War One, with so many millions killed on the battlefields. And so we see this in all of our human attempts and we even see this in some religious attempts you know some some branches of islam you know what they're trying to do is create an islamic caliphate that's whole isis they wanted to create an islamic caliphate an example on earth a political real example of the ideal islamic society and of course we know the direction that that went and we see this all around us and this is always doomed to failure because of human sin because people don't understand human sin they don't understand the power of evil they don't understand the corruption of the systems of our world and they think that we can use all those things to achieve a better world but it's always going to be doomed to failure in of itself That doesn't mean we shouldn't try by the way but then many people who look at that and they see that and they they become overcome with that they start thinking okay well if we can't do that on a societal level if we can't make a better society, if we can't become a better society, then we need to find salvation elsewhere. We need to find salvation by other means. So, what we need to do, instead of looking outward and societally, we need to start looking inward. And so, what I need to do then is to annihilate all my desires because desire is at the heart of all evil i need to annihilate all my desires and eventually extinguish myself into a blending of the the cosmic energy of the universe and a form of nirvana which is kind of the direction of hinduism again please understand i'm i'm painting with very broad strokes here Uh, this is not a detailed discussion of these things but you see this in many of our human attempts I mean, why is one of the biggest sections of any virtual bookstore or literal bookstore self-help books? It's the idea that somehow if I just work on myself, if I just go inward, if I just become self-actualized, if I just blend myself with cosmic energy, if I just become filled with love, uh, if I just save myself as some isolated individual and find my own salvation then that is the goal that is the desire and i can escape the suffering of the world as i go inward into this other kind of salvific experience but that doesn't work either again we're faced with the power of human sin the power of evil the corruption of our society and and You look around the world today and there's constantly, you'll see, variations of these two tracks of salvation. Either we want salvation for humanity, salvation for the world by creating a better world, a better kingdom, and we can do that and we can achieve that. Uh, or we begin to look inward and we want to experience salvation for ourselves, uh, whether it's self-actualization, whether it's uh, extinguishing of the, of the self, whether it's maximizing the self, whatever it is. We want to look for salvation for ourselves or salvation for the world. And we see those things going on these two different tracks. Uh, both are bound to be futile. Both are bound to end in disappointment. Now, the challenge is, for us as Christians, we're not completely innocent of this. If you look around the world today, you can see these two tracks, if you will, in churches. There are some churches where the idea is that you just need to go inward, you just need to worry about your own salvation you want to be saved you want to become everything you should be in christ jesus you should live that out in this life in this world you know i I need to be saved i need to experience my own personal salvation and out of that we got this whole idea of jesus is my personal savior well jesus is the savior whether or not he saves you is another issue jesus is not your personal lord jesus happens to be lord whether or not you want him to be your Lord personally. The issue of you having a personal dynamic here is not really the issue, and it's not really the biblical issue about this. But we, we've easily condensed it and there's, there's whole trains of theology about the end times that say all we need to do is we need to get saved and then we just need to hang out or hang on for dear life until sometimes Jesus comes in the rapture and takes us all up before things get really bad. And it's all about what happens to you personally. And so in that, in that kind of idea, then, then the church is about your personal development in that idea you read the bible for what you get out of it personally you pray for your personal benefit yeah you pray for other people but when you exercise your spiritual gifts you know you you want to have a personal blessing as you exercise your spiritual gift sometimes you want to experience personal prosperity all of that flows out of this idea now not all those things are inherently wrong But if it's just about us personally, individually, as some isolated individual, that's not biblical not what the Bible says. But then there are other people who are like, well, what we need to do is we need to bring the kingdom now. And you've got, sometimes you have this happening in in liberal churches that say, well, what we need to do is work on social action, uh, feed the poor, take care of of all the the issues that are in the world around us today, and we'll build a better world and make a better society if we just engage with other people. And there's a laudable aspect of that, uh, nothing inherently wrong with that. Uh, but that's not something that we're going to do in all of its fullness. Or you get other people who say, well, it's about the kingdom of God coming now in power, and nobody is sick, and, and we're going from blessing to blessing and success to success, and we're building our own little kingdom on this world, and, uh, and we'll experience success and blessing, and then everybody will want to come and be part of us because they see how really good and how wonderful things are. And you see that dynamic happening in the church as well and and in so doing we often capitulate to the world around us now you might ask then what is the truth what is the biblical idea the biblical approach the biblical sense of this idea is it is it about personal salvation so that we experience our our joy in heaven and and the like personally or is it about kind of a, a global or a cosmic kind of salvation where the world is saved which one is it? Biblically, you can guess, it's both. It's both. In fact, if you go too far to one or the other, you start to go into error. And the history of the church is a history of people going to one side or the other side and falling into error And whenever we fall into error, we lose our influence in society. If we go too much on the personal side of things, as many evangelical churches do, we start to sacrifice our influence in society, but if we go too much on the global side of things, we sacrifice our influence in society as well, because we start to give in to our We give in to uh, uh, our theology, our belief about Jesus. We sacrifice that in order to cooperate with others. The scriptures talk about the kingdom, and that's what we've been talking about here, that the kingdom has come in Jesus Christ. Jesus, he came and he said, hey guys, the kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. And as Christians, we declare that in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ has demonstrated that He is King of kings and Lord of lords, and He has come to this world to establish a kingdom, and by His grace through faith, He invites us to become part of that kingdom, part of that loving rulership, so we can share in the blessings of the kingdom, both personally and corporately, realizing That "'The end goal of this kingdom is not so that people get saved. "'The end goal of this kingdom is not, uh, "'it is so that people get saved, "'but not just so that people get saved. "'The end goal of this kingdom "'is not so that we just experience some blessings. "'The end goal of this kingdom "'is not so that life in the world gets better.' The end goal of this kingdom is that one day Jesus will be established on earth as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords uniting heaven and earth together here on this planet so that reshaping, reforming this planet to demonstrate the excellencies of God and the wisdom of God's rulership to all the principalities and powers and all the forces of evil to bring once and for all a conclusive, decisive end to evil on our planet so that the love of God rules, Jesus reigns, and once that's demonstrated, then God's intention is to completely destroy this creation And create a new creation where sin is no longer there. Sin is not even possible. It's it's governed by new realities, uh, new physical realities, new spiritual realities, new personal realities, where everybody who surrenders to the kingship of Jesus right now experiences the eternal blessings of that kingdom. That is the proclamation that we live into that is our reality that is the reality of the kingdom that's why it is an affront to a lot of people because to those who are looking for the the kind of the personal salvation track of life it says get your heads up get your head out of the sand stop looking at yourself and start looking at what god wants And for those who get on the track of, hey, let's let's see salvation manifested in a better society, a better world, it says, get real. You're too messed up with sin and evil. You need to surrender to the king because only the king can bring this into reality and the king intends to bring it into reality. There will be a day when climate change is not an issue on this planet. There will be a day when we will not have the crime issues that we have today. There will be a day when Jesus is the king who reigns actively on this earth and all of us who are here, who are saved with Christ in this lifetime will join him in his reigning activity. We're being trained for this. We're being trained to reign. That's part of the purpose here on this world, in this life. And that's what, the writer to the hebrews is talking about we see this twofold dynamic very clearly in the passage that we read here today he tells us he starts out and he says you know faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen so we as people we hope for personal salvation and we hope for global salvation we hope for for our our personal and our family's experience of new life in Jesus Christ, and we hope that the whole world will experience that because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We have this twofold hope, and this twofold hope was animating all of the the early followers of God that are there in the Old Testament. He goes and, and and he's talking about different people. He talks about Enoch, he talks about Abel, he talks about Noah. And these are all people who experience a personal righteousness. They experienced God's pleasure, they, they received God's reward, they heard about God's promises and received promises over their lives personally. They had this hope for their personal salvation in relationship with God by faith. This was the hope that was driving them. This was the hope that was keeping them going. And then you also see those who had this kind of, this hope for, let's say, a a cosmic global kind of salvation, if you will. The salvation of the world. It says here, for example, with Abraham, what was he doing? He was looking for a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God see Abraham was looking for a city and the city in the Bible the city is the sign of the human society human organization humans coming together and the city was always God's design by the way when he says fill the earth subdue it be be fruitful multiply fill the earth subdue it the city was part of his design for this now you say okay do you not mean that the garden of eden was no the garden of eden was not his design the garden of eden was just a jumping off point how do you know that because the bible starts with a garden but it ends with a city the lingering reality of the scripture the reality of the new heavens new earth is a city and so the city uh, in this sense is symbolic of the destiny of humanity in the fullness of what god has intended That's the city that has real foundations that's designed and built by God. And another place further down, he says that these these people were looking for a a heavenly country. Heavenly kingdom. Very similar kinds of concept here. They, They were desiring a kingdom. They were desiring a country. They were desiring a place where righteousness dwells, a a place where human society was there in purity and in joy and in happiness uh, and and in satisfaction, working together, cooperating with one another, that, that ideal that we're striving for. You see, they had both of these hopes, and these hopes were always living side by side. They didn't sacrifice one for the other. Abraham didn't look for his personal salvation and say, well, I want to get personally saved, but to heck with all my descendants. Doesn't matter as long as I'm personally saved. That's good. Or or as long as I'm saved and a few of my family members are saved, you know, that that's what really counts. He wasn't doing that. At the same time, he wasn't saying that these individuals don't matter. He was saying everybody matters. Everybody was important. Every human being has value. You couldn't discard anybody for the sake of this heavenly kingdom. In fact, it's God's design, God's intention that none would be lost, but that everyone would come to a knowledge of the truth. Not that they all do, but at least it's his heart, it's his desire that this might happen. So they lived in this hope. And they lived with this reality, and it's the reality that's being communicated here by Hebrews, but it's also the reality of the whole Scripture, that history, human history, is moving inexorably toward the fulfillment of our personal and global salvation, in which we not only receive everything promised to us personally, But also we receive God's kingdom coming in fullness on the earth. That's where our history is moving. Because Jesus is king, our reality is moving in that direction. God has control of this world, and we know that God is going to take it where he promised to take it. He's in control. And this is the promise of Scripture. This is the testimony of Scripture that we are moving in this direction. However, it's also the testimony of Scripture that we are living in this world right now as followers of Jesus. We are living here as strangers and exiles on the earth, not having received what has been promised. So often, we get disappointed because we think of these promises that God has given us and they must be fulfilled in us. But that's not always the case as the writer says here, there are a lot of promises that God has given that have not yet been fulfilled. I think about revival. I, I believe in God's promise that there will be a new revival, that there will be a great revival that comes, that comes on this earth, that comes here at City Temple. Now, I hope that I will live to see it. That's my desire. But what happens if I don't? As long as the revival comes, that's what matters. I know that I will experience every single thing that God has promised me, even if I don't experience everything God has promised me in this lifetime. Paul tells us, he says, guys, if, we, if, if, you know, if it's only for this life that we live for Jesus, then we're the most miserable people on the earth. Because we're constantly deferring our desires. We're constantly deferring our hope. This is our reality. We're moving inexorably in this direction, but we might not experience its fullness while we're still alive, but that doesn't mean we don't keep moving. We keep going. We don't quit. We don't stop. We don't back down. We keep moving. And we need to understand God's purpose for us as the church. See, this is why church can never be reduced to some individualistic pursuit. It's not about you individually. And you say, well, you know, I don't really feel fed at that church. Well, it's not about you being fed. And if you're an adult, feed yourself. It's about being where God has called you to be and doing what God has called you to do for the benefit of other people. And in the course of doing that, you receive your blessing. You receive your commendation. You receive your relationship with God in Christ Jesus. So God has a purpose for the church in this whole scheme. We are, according to Jesus, the agent of making disciples. Our our goal is to make disciples of all nations. That is talking a bit about this personal salvation, if you will, but also about corporate salvation because historically, historically, it's not just one individual who comes to the church. When you get one individual, you get a whole family. Oftentimes you get one individual, you get a whole community. We are also an agent for advancing God's kingdom, God's loving rulership. Yes, we need to interact with the poor, uh, the disenfranchised, uh, those working for, uh, to reverse climate change, those working to, to help those who are sick, We need to be engaged in these kinds of things, both individually and corporately, as the body of Christ, without the delusion that any of these things are going to save us, that any of these things ultimately will work, but with the hope that we will see manifestations as it comes. We are a manifestation as well as the church. Our very presence demonstrates that Jesus is king, and we are a sign, an indicator to the church to the world that something is up that something is happening it's a bit like if you're driving down the road in the countryside and you see one of these signs that, that indicates a crossroads coming up it's a pointing to the reality that something is happening in the future and you need to get ready for it we as the church are the visible evidence of the kingdom reality here on the earth and we are to to work to heal the sick To cast out demons, to do all the things that Jesus did, proclaiming the kingdom, demonstrating the kingdom for individuals as well as for groups as a sign that Jesus is our king and there is a different kind of life, there's a different quality of life, there's a different dynamic of life for those of us who are in the kingdom. This is our purpose. So the question comes, how do we engage in all of this? I mean, this is all well and good. And uh, I was talking to Karen earlier today about, you know, how do, how do you do this for kids, you know, in the kids' sermon? Because we're big concepts here. Uh, but in a sense, you know, we're all kids. And it's, it's really nice to talk about all this. But how do we engage with it? Well, the writer here gives us the answer by faith. We are to live by faith. That faith is the substance of things hoped for. This faith is a faith in a God who created this universe out of nothing. And if God can create this universe out of nothing, then certainly he can recreate the universe. Certainly he can bring the universe to the fulfillment of the purpose for which he created us. We trust as we live by faith that God exists and that He will reward those who seek Him. Our faith is what activates this hope and provides the evidence that something is coming. It's not wishful thinking, it's not like, well, I hope things will work out. It's that because God has awakened this faith in my life by His grace, I can have assurance in that hope that the direction my life is going and the direction the world is going is all in the control of God and His kingdom will come and His will will be done in my life as it is in this world around us. Even if it's not completed in my lifetime. Our faith is what enables us to enter this reality of the kingdom and live in this reality today. This faith is choosing to trust and act, often beyond our natural abilities, based on who God is and God's ways, founded in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is our faith, and we are to live by faith. We are to live by faith knowing who we are in Christ Jesus. We need to understand we're sons of God. We're the bride of Christ. We're the body of Christ. We need to live with faith in that reality. You wake up this morning. I woke up this morning. I didn't feel like a son of God, but I was a son of God. And I got up and I came here by faith in the reality of who I am in Jesus Christ. We live by faith in all God's promises for you in Jesus, even though you may not receive all those promises in this life. But in Jesus, all God's promises for us are yes and amen, and we will receive them. And faith tells us there's a greater reality to come and the limitations of this world, and we're going to live in that greater reality, and any promise we haven't experienced in this life, we will experience in the world to come. We need to live by faith in who we are together in Christ Jesus. We're the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the house of God. That's who we are together. We are a sign together of God's kingdom. We are a living reality that Jesus Christ is the King. We need to live by faith so that we obey God. That's what Abraham did. He said, okay, I don't know this country I'm going to. I haven't seen it, but you told me to go. And without seeing it, without knowing it, I'm going to move forward and I'm going to experience it. But he didn't experience it in all of its fullness. But he stepped forward regardless. He chose to obey You live by faith so that you engage fully in God's will for the world around you, knowing that every person matters, every life matters. This is where we're going. We will experience a salvation that not only touches our own lives, but also touches the world. And God has saved us. He's drawn us into his kingdom by his grace through faith, so that together we live into this reality, even if we never experience the fullness of this reality, but we take every little bit we can get, we take every little experience we can get, we step into it, and we resolve that we don't quit. Because it's very interesting what he says at the end of that passage. He says, you know, all these people could have gone back if they wanted to. You could go back if you want to. You could go back, but don't. We're going toward a better country. We're going toward a heavenly kingdom. And we will see the reality of Jesus Christ reigning on this earth as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we will bow before him and we will honor him. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Let's choose to do that. By God's grace. Let's not wait and let's be part of everything God is doing by faith through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for calling us to your side. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for making us your people. Lord, I don't know how this applies to everybody. Lord, I pray that it would be an encouragement. Lord, I pray for those who are waiting for the fulfillment of promises that you have made. Give them hope, Lord. Hope in the fulfillment of many of those promises in this life, not only in the life to come. Lord, for those who are looking to see how they can engage more fully and fruitfully with the world around them, I pray, Father, that you'd encourage them, show them doors to walk through, things to say and things to do. But I pray, Lord, for all of us that you'd help us not to compromise one iota of who Jesus is as the King and who we are in Christ Jesus, and how Jesus, surrendering to Jesus as King, really is the only hope for our world. Show us how to live for you by faith every day. We love you and thank you, in Jesus' name. Let's stand together to worship the Lord.